You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at work? When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday. You can pair up if you like and you can fucking pick someone else to help you and you can bring your fucking dinner. Hannister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores! Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? Series 7, Episode 1, we are back. I'm Chris Gold, joining me, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. Oh, fuck, I haven't written an intro for Michael. What should I say? That's fine, oh. that'll do. No, that's fine, I like that, let's go. <laughs> Just get it down. <laughs> what a start to the series. Is that kind of ring rust that you need to work through? That, that kind of rustiness, isn't it? Like pre-season. Yeah, yeah. There's what? It's that first ball back. I've played it into you. You've just pinged off. Yeah, yeah it's like, I've got to get my touch back. This is why we're having pre-season, guys. You've been running without the ball, haven't you? You've mainly been doing cross-country runs. Um, welcome back. Uh, it's been a pleasure to return. We've already recorded eight of the episodes of the series, and there's some absolute corkers. Now, let's get down to brass tacks, shall we? Uh, this week, we have a huge announcement. It's massive. Michael, could we have some kind of classic fanfare? Yes, we're excited to announce... I'm genuinely very excited. Um, we are very excited to announce the Quickly Kevin Fan Club. Only on Patreon. Yes, we're not going to lie. We heard of the Lee Sharp Fan Club, and we we just we just replaced the names. It's that simple. Now, <laughs> the continuation of Quickly Kevin Series Seven, as normal in all your normal podcast places, will carry on as usual. But if you want a huge treasure trove of exclusive and extra Quickly Kevin content, so much. Imagine the trophies man you would have had if they hadn't had Peter Schmeichel in goal throughout the nineties. That amount of treasure. Hello, Michael. You still there? Hello, Michael. Michael. (laughs) Chris, what have we got in store on the Quickly Kevin Fan Club? Here's what you can receive on the Quickly Kevin Fan Club. Ad-free episodes. 
exclusive behind the scenes and extra audiovisual content, fan club only extended episodes with bonus content, early episode release, fan club members will get the main series episodes on Saturday afternoon instead of Monday morning. You'll also receive four pieces of Quickly Kevin merchandise a year, free tickets to our live Zoom shows, the chance to have your name in the opening titles of the show, early access to live physical show tickets, a free cup of chamomile tea on us, and if all that wasn't enough, each month we will be releasing not one, but two extra episodes only for Quickly Kevin Fan Club members. The first one-themed episode a month. First up is the return of the Quickly Kevin Film Club, where we review the Robert Duvall and Ali McCoist Scottish football film, A Shot at Glory at Long Last. And finally, the big one, the grand reveal. Each month we are going to do a chapter-by-chapter reappraisal of the Steve Barnes trilogy in full with Ivo Graham and the team picking it apart as they go. Yes, you heard us. We are going to pour over every single page of the trilogy of books exclusively for Quickly Kevin fan club members. And all of this is available now over on patreon.com forward slash quickly Kevin. Do, you know, do you know what, Jim? I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to take the money I've won and I'm going to go home happy with the 200 quid. <laughs> Um, I genuinely, um, we spent ages kind of coming up with everything that we'd want in a uh, in a Quickly Kevin fan club. And once Michael wasn't up for the nude calendar, this is what we came <laughs> for. <laughs> but um, I'm so excited. There's so many good things here. So you get your four free pieces of merchandise. Um, I'm not going to give it the big QVC, so you know. But I will say, Chris, what is your thing you are looking forward to the most? I've got something up my sleeve. Uh, so we, what we're going to do is take it in turns for the monthly one monthly special. So you're going to get the Steve Barnes every month, but the, the extra special there's something good coming up for Halloween, I think potentially. Yes. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But we've done chapter one of the Steve Bruce first book, Striker. That is absolute gold, and plenty more where that came from. I think what we basically say is, and um, we, we've given you a clip of that in this episode, so you can see how it is, but. What we've really done is we've slightly appropriated a format that went, worked very well for a certain podcast of just <laughs> reading the book out in full and talking as we go. And to be honest, we regretted not doing it first time around. So it's, it's lovely to have this second bite at the cherry. Michael, what are you most excited about? Um, I'm really looking forward to that cup of chamomile tea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you want to uh, read more about it or sign up without reading more about it, uh, then go to patreon.com. That's P for Palmer, A for Andy Sinton, <laughs> wow. T for Tony Daly, R for Reggie Blinker, E for Edgy Blinker, O for <laughs> Oivin Leonardson, and N for Naeem dot com slash quickly kevin i thought you were gonna start spelling the c on com and then go to it wow <laughs> no, patreon.com slash quickly kevin and josh's idea which i was like what on earth is this but if you join our patreon you will get a monthly email from lee sharp brackets it may be one of us impersonating lee sharp updating it'll be, it'll you be, it'll, be, it'll be lee sharp's diary for the month a little update from his life in the 90s that as well <laughs> also uh we will be sending out a mailing list about it so join the mailing list if you want to as a taster for it you will be getting a slice of the first episode of the steve barnes trilogy chapter one of striker a slice coming up later in this episode but before that 
It's an old faithful. It's the electronic post bag. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the electronic post bag. You've got mail. So, this is from Tim Manns. Hello, since you talked about the Dell, I thought I'd drop you a line. I've been a Saints fan for so long, it makes my blood run cold to quantify the number of years. It's enough to say I went to the Dell hundreds of times. What I'm about to tell you is a true story from late 1978. The Saints were playing Norwich, and at half-time, they put on an RAF dog display on the pitch. It was the usual thing, Alsatian dogs scaling impossibly high walls, jumping through hoops of fire, etc. The grand finale was a man with a briefcase, and a villain with lots of padding around his arms, carrying a gun. He fired a couple of blanks, stole the briefcase, and set off down the pitch, hotly pursued by the dog. At this point... One of the policemen on the side of the pitch, who clearly hadn't been paying much attention, turned around and through a process of logic that baffles me to this day, decided that what was happening was real and ran onto the pitch to apprehend (laughs) Chummy. (laughs) You couldn't question his bravery, but his judgment left a lot to be desired. The man on the mic appealed for him to leave the pitch because this was simply a demonstration. At which point the penny dropped. He walked rather sheepishly back at first, but the cheers of the crowd soon roused him, and in the end he was waving like a triumphant Roman general. Afterwards, I saw another copper who had been inside the ground telling another one outside on traffic duty what had happened. The latter had to sit down on the wall outside the Winston pub and wipe away tears of laughter. Oh, it's good to be back. Older fans still remember the story. And I know I will too long after I've forgotten my own name. That is from Tim Manns. That is an astonishing story. Wow. police thinking the armed criminal had stolen a briefcase on the pitch. God, how would you feel at that moment? You're like, oh, no. Oh, no. It's the sort of thing you'd be embarrassed if you did at home when no one was watching in a stadium oh, oh, man. do you think he was like pitch side that whole time but had just kind of wandered in his own mind he was sort of daydreaming about I've got to pick up milk and eggs and then it's like fuck me there's a robbery <laughs> or do you think he had no, just no, come out exactly come out from like the tunnel and then he had only just caught this man sort of running and didn't have Stolen the whole picture the briefcase <laughs> <laughs> and also why is he dressed like the Michelin man <laughs> Uh, okay we've discussed jane moreno before haven't we who used to play for middlesbrough yeah um it was my 14th birthday and myself and my mates were taken to teesside park to go 10 pin bowling upon arrival one of my friends a big brother friend spotted moreno sat sipping a pepsi with his brother my mother approached jane and asked if he minded having his photo and he duly obliged so i'm going to send you the photo uh and i want you to see if you can spot the uh, funny detail of the photo. <laughs> it's absolutely superb. <laughs> so there's the photo of Jane Moreno with these uh, with these fans. Can you see what the uh, problem is? He's sporting <laughs> the Coca-Cola jacket that I believe he would have worn <laughs> one for being man of the match a few days earlier. <laughs> He's wearing a man of the match jacket. Imagine getting a jacket for being man of the match. And then wear it out. And it's got a big Coca-Cola embroidered badge on it too. Um, also, this, this the jacket itself, aside from the embroidery, is the same kind of make as... The only way I could describe it is the ones bin men used to wear in the 90s. 
<laughs> like Duff or like Trigger in Only Fools would wear this. Imagine going out and going, I am going to get to put the Man of the Match jacket on. What shall I wear? What shall I wear? I'll wear my Man of the Match jacket. Now, <laughs> something serious. Can we have Ness and Dorma, please? As I take you back to 1990. Hello, guys. The other day, I got to an episode of your most recent quiz... In there, there was a section where a fellow listener brings to light the fact that Terry Venables chose not to make a substitution on the Euro 96 semi-final. A huge revelation. Josh and Chris understandably appeal for anyone sitting on any more historical revisionism. At the beginning of the lockdown, I decided to watch the entire semi-final from Italia 90. I don't know if anyone else was aware of this or if this was common knowledge, but it is rarely shown in small highlights of the match. Apart from the goals that are frequently shown I was followed Gazza's yellow Waddle's shot from 45 yards that's tipped over the bar Waddle's volley from the edge of the area and Waddle hitting the post in the first half of extra time what is rarely shown is that David Platt had a perfectly good goal ruled out for offside in the second half of injury time <gasps> what? I genuinely I genuinely just got goosebumps as I read that out <laughs> I, I don't even remember that no really? I don't remember that at all there's nothing wrong with it. The Germans pushed up as Waddle sent in his free kick, but the defender on the far side was slow and definitely played everyone on side. Strikes me very weird, as we're all familiar with the various England heartbreaks from the 90s, from Gazza's booking to him sliding in in 96, Anderson hitting the post in the same game, Beckham's red card, Campbell's disallowed goal. I could go on. Before I'd recently seen this, I thought we'd lost this brilliantly fought semi-final fair and square. I was never aware of the injustice of this decision. That's unbelievable. He sent a link that? to the video, which obviously um, we can watch in our own time and cry. But um, isn't that unbelievable? You'd think that would be burned in the public consciousness Shall, I, shall I just play you the video yeah. and share well, screen? I, I really can't wrap my head around that. Surely, I've watched the highlights countless times. I've seen documentaries about it. No one ever talks about that. But bloody that, that night in... What's that documentary where Gary Oldman does the kind of... One Night in Turin. One Night in Turin. One Night in, night in Heaven. And by M people doesn't mention it either. Actually, weirdly, that song does mention it. <laughs> um, show your screen. It's a free kick to England. A yellow card for the German left back. Waddle's delivery. The whistle had gone. It's not going to count. David Platt thought for a moment he had scored. But the flag raised for offside. Oh, there's not much in that. Looks like the defender on the far side is playing him on. It's difficult to tell, isn't it? It's difficult to tell. Well, also because none of them contest it. He, I think he is onside. Go, go, go back. He, I, I, I was looking at the first man there. I feel like we're watching the Zabruder tapes. <laughs> <laughs> but this is more important. Pause. Oh, oh God. I, I can't believe this isn't more famous. Oh, I think he's. I think the guy he's well the guy on. at the back. The guy at the back's playing him on, Michael. That's the ref, and that's the ref. But that's no. This guy in the green. This guy. Can you see my cursor? Yeah, but he's if you look on at the there. Guy, look at the pitch. Look at the lines in the pitch. No, no, no but but it's not just Platt. In 1990, this guy in front of Platt. No, but he's playing everyone on. Look I at don't the lines. Know. Look at the line of the grass. Look. Well, what I'm going to say is that's less contentious than I was expecting it to be. That's absolutely, mate. That's the moment the ball's hit. Look, that's a that's a German player there. That's a German leg. Look. Oh, Michael. Michael. I mean, look. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's We've not. We've just won the World Cup in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> well, Why you know, are we all freaking out? Maybe it's karma for the uh, the Russian linesman in '66. That is absolutely astonishing. 
That is unreal. I never knew that. Absolutely. There we'll put go. that on our Instagram and on our Twitter. I would honestly say that's the most astonishing revelation this podcast has ever unearthed. It's up there, no, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, Do you think no, that's no, more... No. Golden goal. Golden goal. If they'd have won, they'd all run off the pitch. I'd oh, say oh, that's yeah, yeah, the suppose, most astonishing yeah. revelation. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, here's another email. This is from Stephen McKenzie. Good day, chaps. Um... Josh accidentally calling Bobby Child and Bobby Como very recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a merch idea, Bobby yeah, Como. Bobby Como, a story about the other Sir Bob. Uh, not Bob Geldof, Bobby Robson. Uh, Bobby Robson was signing copies of his autobiography in a, at the now defunct Robs of Hexham Department Store, not far from Newcastle. Obviously, Bobby's an absolute legend in these parts, so people queuing out the door to meet the great man. A friend took his son along, and after hours of waiting, finally got to the front of the queue. As Bobby signed his book, the young lad said, I bet you've signed plenty of these books today, Bobby. So Bob replied, Oh, hundreds, son, hundreds. As they left the store, the excited young lad opened up his book to find Bobby's message. All the best, Bobby Hundreds. That's a great email. That is a great email. <laughs> you could never... That's lost all its resale value straight away. I don't know. I think that's worth a lot now. Bobby Hundreds. Remarkable. Um, now, Michael, um, I'm going to give this to you. You can choose. Would you like Scotland squad numbers at Euro 92 or Schmeichel being chipped? Oh, let's... Schmeichel being... We'll start with Schmeichel being chipped. <laughs> You want, you want Schmeichel being chipped? Yeah, we'll start with that. It begins with just the words, more fuel to the fire. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm so sick of defending this it. on social media. Look at, watch, Michael's Twitter these days is 90% him having to defend Peter Schmeichel. Let us not forget that Schmeichel was also chipped in the final 10 minutes of the Champions League final by Mehmet Scholl and only saved by the post. Oh, of course. <laughs> Well, it's got to go in. That doesn't count. Otherwise, any shot that goes over the bar counts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dismissing that straight away. He's lumping, he's lumping them all in. His inadequacies almost ruined the Red Devil's finest moment. Proof he was rubbish. <laughs> that is one of the most famous lumps. We've never talked about that. I also remember a former player, I think it might have been Beckham, saying that during shooting practice, if anyone tried to chip Peter, he would angrily grab the ball and kick it as far away as he could. <laughs> Further proof of his unwillingness to deal with his shortcomings. That, that I can believe. Kind regards, Peter Halstead. Do you think, when I think about United's great goals in the 90s, like Cantona, they're chips, aren't they? Is that because they were just, it was something, it was an easy way to score in training. So they all became so good at them. Beckham from like 30 yards and. Uh, oh, that Cantona one about Crystal Palace? Yeah, Beckham yeah, against Cant Wimbledon. Beckham against Wimbledon. You think they're so used to trying to chip Michael that inadvertently they've become <laughs> really, really good at a thing. Like this weird muscle memory. <laughs> Is Michael's weakness actually United's strength because it got their strikers <laughs> to be so attuned at chipping and long range goals that it propelled yeah. them to Premier League supremacy? <laughs> We've just cracked the code. I'd read that athletic article, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> You're one a month. Oh, um, would you like a Do I Remember This Right about Euro 96, Michael? Yes, please. 
Do I remember this right? 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 This right. Right. Hi team. A lot of people started listening during lockdown, so thank you for that. This is Henry Smith is one of them. Anyway, I've been listening out for my favourite 90s rumour, and unless I missed it, it has not emerged. It is as follows. In the England-Scotland game in Euro 96, I have it on good authority that Gaza forgot his boots for the game and ended up wearing Teddy Sheringham's spare boots, which were size too big, thereby making his achievements in the game even more remarkable. <laughs> what? If I could put this to your listenership, stroke diary, stroke Steve Ball, stroke anyone else you can think of, I'd love to get it confirmed. Uh, I mean, that's interesting. I don't want to be a spoiler sport, but like one size up is not that big a deal. I will regularly wear a size 11 instead of a 10 if they've only got that in stock. Yeah, but you're not, you're not chipping it over Colin Hendry, Michael. You're walking <laughs> to the shops. Well, maybe that's what allowed him to ship it over Colin Hendry. Yeah, because if you're chipping, and I'm sure um, Peter Schmeichel's aware of this, um, but if you're chipping, then um, the lack of toe in the end of the boot is going to allow you to chip it easier. Get under it. Yeah, get under it. So really, if you are a fan of the chip, if you're lining up against Manchester United, you should be wearing boots that are four or five sizes too big. <laughs> you need to look like Ronald McDonald on that, on that Wembley turf. Yeah, so Chris Bart Williams is wearing a size eight. Uh, it's essentially like you turn the football boot into like a sand wedge. Yeah, he's a golfing Yeah, just a real open face on the toe. Um... Some great uh, correspondence. Uh, There's more to come. Sorry I didn't get to do Scotland squad numbers at Euro 92, but suffice to say, one day, Michael will be very disappointed to hear how that one turns out. But we're going to have to stop the correspondence because, Chris, you've got a new feature. Well, I've just been throughout lockdown looking at Twitter, looking at the news, and it really struck me that there seem to be more stories about 90s footballers, contemporary stories, than ever before. Enough stories to warrant their own news programme to keep everybody abreast of what's happening in the world of 90s football as it continues to evolve. And that's why I've come up with the 90s O'Clock News. Steve Chettle has beef with Quickly Kevin. Jack Charlton's curious picks on a replay of his Desert Island Discs. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to those headlines. I've got two news stories for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit worried about Steve Chettle having beef with Quickly Kevin. <laughs> so, we recently announced on our Twitter that we were coming back and that we were launching today, the 5th of October. This is when Series 7 was about to start. And when we did, we sat around the table and said, right, to accompany this tweet... We need to hashtag a random 90s footballer, random enough that it'll make us laugh. We sat around over a beer, spitballed a few ideas. We came up with Steve Chettle. So we fired off the tweet, quickly Kevin's coming back 5th of October, hashtag Steve Chettle. A few days pass, and then suddenly someone slides into our DMs. It's Steve Chettle. (laughs) (laughs) He quotes the tweet and says, what's all this about, lads? And so suddenly... (laughs) scary. We're in the position of... And Matt Ford has talked about what a scary guy Steve Chettle is. I think he didn't shout at him from the terraces once. Like, and Steve Chettle kind of told him to throw the balls back or something like that. So how do you handle this situation? We just said, Steve, just trying to think of a a random 90s footballer, you know, that fans of 90s football would appreciate. And we just, we came up with you, didn't realise you'd you'd find the tweet, but um, we're big fans of yours. Love you, have you on the show one day. And Steve Chettle replied, I'm here whenever you need me. Thumbs up. To which, Michael, you said, who does he think he is, Batman? <laughs> like, I'm here, I'm here if you need me. 
We should put the Chettle signal up to the sky. The other thing I liked about that is we didn't at Steve Chettle in that tweet. No. We put hashtag Steve Chettle. So I'm going to presume Steve Chettle searches his own name on Twitter. Checks the hashtag every day, which (laughs) must be very... And what if this is the magic code to reach out to any 90s footballer we want? You just hashtag them. Oh, yeah. And they come crawling. I bet that would be a good booking policy. Yeah. It would. I, I would indulge in this, but I'm too busy worrying about what Jack Charlton picked on Desert okay. Island Discs. So, <laughs> I, went on a drive, I was on a drive recently. I was scouting for content for this new the 90s o'clock news feature we've got. And Desert Island Discs recently replayed Jack Charlton's 1996 appearance on Desert Island Discs. And some of the choices are just absolutely spectacular. I think it's his first choice, Jack Charlton's first choice to spend eternity on a desert island. His first record, Crocodile Shoes, Jimmy Nail. (laughs) 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 I was racing along the M6. I nearly had to pull over. Jack Charlton. And he's just a big fan of Jimmy Nail. Who is it? And also, like, I tried, I lined up the dates. He's gone on to Desert Island Disc. I think the song's been out about three months at this point. And he's decided <laughs> it's one of the best songs he's ever heard. So much so he wants to spend the rest of his life wow. on a desert island with it. That's like when um, at the end of the millennium, they do a lot of like best 100 number ones. And it, you get the ones that are like, just from last year and everyone's voted for them. Jack yeah. Charlton's that guy that goes, music's getting better, Crocodile Shoes is number one, it must be the best song. <laughs> Some of his other choices, so he, he picks Christa Burr because he says Christa Burr was always there whenever Ireland were at a tournament, he was always there drinking with them like on the night they went out, he'd be the last one in the bar. You think Christa Burr? Isn't Christa Burr famous in like five foot? How is he keeping up with the drinking? And, and Jack Charlton pays the story of Christa Burr as this legendary drinker. That wow. could keep up with the likes of Bonner and John Aldridge all night, or like almost every tournament they went to. Another, he obviously picks "Dirty Old Town" by the Dublers. Yeah, like his relationship with the Irish comes across really well. He picks a song called "Delirium Tremens" by Christy Moore, which he picks the song and they, they play a bit of it, but they don't mention the fact that Jack Charlton is name checked in the song. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, well, how have you missed that? But then my favourite, the, the obviously, you know, a desert island just culminates with luxury item. What does he pick? It's someone brand. When you pick, when you conjure an image of pint of Guinness, black cap, close fishing rod. Of course, oh, it's a fishing rod. Lovely, course. lovely. It's a great listen. At, at any point, does um, Sue Lawley ever refer to him as Jack Como? <laughs> It's, uh, it, you know, it's really testy, actually, because um, Sue Lawley kind of, she doesn't... What does she go? Does well, she go, she, well, you knew Andy Townsend wasn't actually does, Irish, come on, Jack. Her, she, Sue Lawley does her research and knows enough to know that Jack Charlton has a reputation for Route 1 long ball football. And obviously she, she says this to him, it's very controversial, your reign, because of the accusations that you play wrong long ball football. Jack Charlton, he nearly kicks off in this interview. It's the feistiest <laughs> Desert Islandist I've ever heard. Jack Charlton's like having a go at her. It's all, it sounds Amazing. like he gets up from his chair and it's like shouting across the studio. Well, that is, that is a t- that's a total ambush by yeah, it's her. A total I'm, ambush. I, I, I'm with Jack Charlton there. Jack Charlton does not hold back. He goes in two-footed on Lawley. Good on him. Good yeah, on him. Fantastic listen. So if you've got any man. more 90s foot, contemporary 90s football news doing the rounds and, you know, Gary Lineker took in a refugee the other day, Matthew Letizia's out of work. They're just a couple of news stories I've ignored for this particular yeah. episode. Hello at quicklykevin.com. Okay. Now, um, 
As we've said, uh, the Patreon has launched the Quickly Kevin Fan Club uh, each month. There's two bonus episodes, one an episode of our choice, one a chapter. Word by word, Steve Bruce's trilogy of crime novels. Here, we are joined by Ivo Graham. Here is a taste of the first one. Hello, Ivo Graham. They say you should never go back. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what this came from was we re-listened to, separately, the first Striker, Striker episode, and I couldn't believe how little we'd said about it. Yeah. How long is it, Michael? That first, it's like, well, over, the, over the episode hour? is under an hour. The entire episode, Every- and that's with correspondence with Tough and Tail, yeah. Under so an hour. There's probably 40-something minutes of this is Striker mad. Because this is it's mad. the best of the Steve Barnes books. And we we just thought we didn't talk about it enough. I remember my, my sort of one of my most sort of vivid memories of recording, sort of all of them, was of because we were having such a lovely time, and because we were all just desperate to get our favourite, just constantly going, "Oh no, the just sort of losing a, a, a paragraph which I was yeah. ready to hold up as the definitive bit of Steve Barnes writing." Um, so what we wanted to do is we wanted to um, take a very different approach, yeah, and revisit all of the books and read them word for word and discuss them with the reverence and detail that they deserve. Yeah, and don't forget, me and Michael have haven't read them in full. The yeah. only like we've only seen it through your eyes and I won't have re- I haven't read Striker obviously see it, obviously <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't speak for Ivo but I'm going to we haven't read Striker since since 2017 when we read and, it and it's not likely you're going to pick up a copy these go for a thousand pounds a pop on mm. eBay mm. they're rare so this is an opportunity a rare opportunity to really find out what is in these books Okay, so here we go. This is Striker by Steve Bruce. Bright red blood on the knife blade. The knife in my hand. Duffy's dead body stretched out on the locker room floor. And to cap it all, that's when Carvery opens the door. I didn't do it, I said weakly. <laughs> And England didn't win the World Cup in 66. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. That's the opening. It's gone big. It started with Mr. Brightside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an absolute thing. Also, I know I must have pointed this out last time, but the moment I said it, it was the same problem. I didn't do it. I said <laughs> weekly does sound like he said it every week. <laughs> and England didn't win the World Cup in 66, he sneered. Do people who are listening to this know the plot of this book? Can we reference that we know who killed? I, I think if that you is a tricky decision. If you haven't listened to the original ones, what the fuck are you doing on Patreon listening to these ones? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, the fact that the murderer is mentioned in the third sentence <laughs> is absolutely astonishing. Yeah. At the scene of the crime, <laughs> I put the knife down. Even then it occurred to me that my prints were on the handle. It was half past ten in the morning. What started as just another Monday had suddenly turned pear-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give the police a bell, said Carberry. There was a crooked smile on his lips. Eddie Carberry was enjoying this. Duffy was dead. There was blood everywhere, even on my hands. Eddie Carberry was enjoying it all. Do you think that's a good repetition, or do you think that is... As you say, I think from a plot perspective... 
he's given us too much. <laughs> but with the benefit of hindsight, yeah. the murderer is enjoying this situation. <laughs> As you would expect a murderer to do. This was his big chance. Me inside on a charge of murder. Carberry as caretaker manager. I run of good results and he gets my job. Which he has always wanted and expected to get when the last guy got the old heave-ho after the boardroom takeover. That's a Bruceism, isn't it? <laughs> the old heave-ho. What's interesting there, though, is quite often you will sort of meet what turns out to be the killer in the first scene but they'll be presented as other so you won't be yeah. aware of their motivations or yeah. their motives <laughs> but bruce here has literally gone oh no this guy wants to have my job <laughs> and now i'm being framed yeah. for a murder <laughs> and he's enjoying it <laughs> but i think perhaps he's hiding in plain sight it's like it's so obviously him yeah. that you go well it can't be him it's a double triple bluff it's it what's interesting about it is a classic bruceism <laughs> Um, it's not Dickens but well I, I did say to you too earlier that I want to write a GCSE style paper for our fans yeah and one of the questions would be using examples from the text show how Bruce moves effortlessly from a murder mystery to discussion of football yes as, as, qui- as quickly as possible <laughs> and I think this is this is a great example of that because you've got to remember if I found a dead body with a knife in it, that is a, a defining moment of my life and I'm not worried about my job, how that's going to affect my job prospects. Yeah. How would, what is he doing picking up the knife? If you saw a dead body with a knife next to it, why is your instinct to pick up the murder weapon? Yeah, I suppose it's like a, oh God, I should check if he's all right kind of thing. So does he pull the knife yeah, out of the body the knife, or is it like Excalibur? <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't say why he's got the knife in his hand. Soon, I was surrounded by members of the club. Nothing much was said. Some of them touched me lightly on the shoulder, letting me know they were in sympathy with me. I smiled weakly. (laughs) (laughs) It's very weak, isn't it? (laughs) But was unable to utter a single word, either of explanation or in my defence. What I didn't know then was that I was in deep shock. When a manager's top striker is murdered and the manager is found with a weapon in his hand, it's no time to start singing, we're on our way to the Premiership. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just say as well? <laughs> I, didn't, I don't remember that bit. There isn't a single reference to the fact, what about Duffy? What about this lad who's dead? Can you resuscitate him? Is he breathing? No, it's, oh, well, he's happy this has yeah, happened. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very weird. It's, it's a very strange reaction. But I think that, that goes through the club throughout really i mean i'm no expert medically would a single stab wound in the back kill you i suppose if you got it in the right place it depends really <laughs> like i suppose if you got it in the lung straight at the heart yeah that's one thing i'm quite happy to trust bruce yeah, yeah. okay yeah, that's, that's all right i think it, a, a, yeah. a murder has been completed to a satisfactory degree <laughs> question everything else but that's all right i had quite literally been caught red-handed and the guy who found me was an implacable enemy. Implacable? Implacable. Implacable enemy? I can't believe. I I feel like I'm suddenly reading a Will Self book. (laughs) (laughs) We who've made a career of scoffing at the writing of Steve Bruce, one paragraph into our deeply hubristic read-along have not between us a confident guess at how to pronounce a word he's used. You've got to say, (laughs) he who laughs last. These wings are very much made of wax, guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> I said to Ivo before this, I said, this is either the best or the worst idea we've ever had. <laughs> full refunds available, Patreon guys. <laughs> He's made a fool of us. <laughs> He's absolutely done us. What does implacable mean? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Steve. <laughs> Can we Google it? Pla- How are you spelling that? Unable, am... unable to be appeased or placated. I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Steve. So st- I'm dreading it now. How's <laughs> <laughs> he? He doesn't know that word, does he? I think one of the recurring themes is that you can feel the the sort of the, the copy and the paste function <laughs> when it, when he's when he's doing his long segments about you know the the sort of changing face of the industrial north or whatever it feels like it's just been lifted from a, from a page but that's not to say that that word isn't one he would use I love I would absolutely love to be watching match of the day in a few weeks <laughs> and see Bruce is in a press conference and he uses <laughs> he describes Andy Carroll as implacable. <laughs> That was Ivo Graham. That was chapter one, episode one of the Steve Bruce Striker series. Chapter two will be next month. If you want to hear the full version, get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash quickly Kevin. And just to throw back to something we talked about before we listened to that little preview of the uh, Steve Bruce episodes. You know, I mentioned that uh, <laughs> Jack Charlton picked his Desert Island disc and had Jimmy Nail Crocodile Shoes as his uh, choice. Mm. On the D- Desert Island disc website, it says the album that's that song appears on. And for the Jimmy Nail Crocodile Shoes, it says, available on Now 30. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know Jimmy Nail didn't even put a full album out. No, he, he must, must have done a Crocodile oh, Shoes album. Now 30. Amazing. There we go. Um, it's been a pleasure to be back. It's always an absolute joy. Uh, we are back uh, next week with our first proper interview episode it is the absolutely amazing jamie redknapp that's it's one of the best interviews we've done i absolutely loved it can't wait to hear it again um if you want to get in touch get in touch with the show email hello at quicklykevin.com follow us on facebook and twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com That's it for this week. If you want a bit more Quickly Kevin content, there's a shot at glory reviewed over on the Quickly Kevin fan club. Just sign up at patreon.com forward slash quickly Kevin. But we'll be back next week for Jamie Redknapp. Until then, Robbie Slater. See you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.